This is Fred from Death Star Dispatch, and you're listening to the Scarif Scuttlebutt Podcast, the best source in the galaxy for all the latest news, topics, and trends in the world of Star Wars. Grab a chair, soak in the sun on the beautiful beach of Scarif, and enjoy the show. There will come a time when my name will be uttered in the history books as assassin, rebel, terrorist. I claim all these titles for the victory against the oppression of the Empire. But for now, until my death, I call upon all freedom fighters to never give up until that flag that flies over all our cities are burned to the ground. Until then, this is the Scarif Scuttlebutt Podcast. This podcast is part of the Red 5 Network. For more Red 5 Network podcasts, visit red5network.com. Before, um, Brad is going to restart his computer, but I just want to make sure that you guys can hear me okay, and it's this mic and not the camera mic, and I am at a good level. Test, okay. one, two. Yeah. Do I need to go up, down, everything? Um, can you, uh, yeah, go a little bit up if you, if you can. Volume you one. sound good to me. All right. Hey, everybody. Ed, thank you, you very much. There we go. Okay. All right. Cool. Yeah. All right. And also just confirm, too, that you're picking up your uh, your your boom mic there versus the uh, computer mic. But that sounds good. There you go. <laughs> That's confirmation right there, ladies there and gentlemen. There it is. Yeah. It's also a little bit uncomfortable, too, to watch. You know, that. we... Uh... <laughs> Well, thank you everybody for joining us. Why don't we? Tonight, uh, why tonight. don't we both just release this show? We we'll just release the exact same show and just slap <laughs> two different names on it. Literally at the same time. <laughs> yes. No, we said it was our show. No, you said it was our show. <laughs> Whoops. Well, that's that's exactly what's happening with a uh, uh, certain point of view. Let's, uh, yeah, they, invited, yeah, exactly. they, they invited us, but we invited them, and we don't know who invited who, and we're still not on the show. <laughs> so then you have the Scarif cut and the Suasions cut, and, you know, it's just Western different cut. different spin on the same events. Right. Yeah. So you just, like, I like, put, like that. A really cheesy over, over, like, uh, voiceover. Welcome to Conversations, and <laughs> welcome to Scarif. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Almost like monotonous robotic sounding. Yeah. 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 Welcome to Conversations. <laughs> we should actually do like a an entire podcast with AI voices only. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be I, I that I, is I'm the willing... scuttlebot. <laughs> that's 
got a but <laughs> I'm willing to go live with my um oh. EV99 droid because yes. yes. I love that. If yes. somebody can just put like a uh, metallic overlay on it, I'll be fine. Oh, well. We'll flange that out big time. No problem. Ah, 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 that was a good one. Ah, ah, ah. Well done, Jaras. <laughs> let me get my notes back up. <clears throat> Jen, is it really you? I can't believe it. Must be quite a surprise. Are we not still friends? The last time I saw you, you gave me a knife and loaded blaster and told me to wait in a bunker till daylight. I knew you were safe. You left me behind. You were already the best soldier in my cadre. I was 16. I was protecting you. You dumped me. You were the daughter of an Imperial science officer. People were starting to figure that out. People who wanted to, to use you as a hostage. Not a day goes by. That I don't think of you. Well, thanks for uh, stopping by, guys. It was a great show. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about nothing. It's a Seinfeld episode. It's a Seinfeld episode, the one with. But uh, all right, let's uh, start up now before Brad. We leaves could us just again. insert some uh, some Seinfeld uh, sound effects in there. Every time Pat talks, you know, just. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe it. Brad? Brad? What's the deal with Scarab? <laughs> yeah. What the hell is a scuttlebutt? <laughs> All right, let's start this, baby. That's what I'm talking about. Thank you very much, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Scare of Scuttlebutt podcast. This is episode 34. Uh, we've never actually numbered them. I only said that because I, I have it like hot off the presses in my brain, the graphic that I created for episode 33. So I'm really assuming that this is episode 34, and I hope I'm right. But if it's not, oh well, it is now. So thank you, everyone, for joining us again on this awesome evening this awesome friday night uh we've got a really special topic a really special show and uh some really fun guests uh part of our red five family the guys over at conversations podcast how are you guys charles and pat welcome thank you very much glad to be here yeah glad to have so you. Much. and as always uh my uh partner in crime on the scare of scuttlebutt podcast mr brad brad how's it going the butt to your scuttle. Uh, the butt I have, to my scuttle, yes. I, I, I have no idea what's going on right now, and I'm happy to be here. That is fantastic. What what episode of Swations is this? Because uh, it's either episode 34 of the Scare of Scuttlebutt or some well, episode or of Conversations. Yeah. I don't know. It's pretty close because mm -hmm. we just released episode 35, so we can go back a step. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> episode 34 and a half for there both of us. Excellent. Thank you, guys. So uh, we wanted to get together with you guys. Is this your first? Uh, this is uh, this is the uh, the day but the debut of uh, conversations with uh, the Scare of Scuttlebutt, isn't it? 
It certainly is. And it, does, and, and, and it definitely doesn't feel that way because obviously, you know, being part of the Red 5 Network, we are uh, in group chats. We are uh, interacting with uh, everyone on board. And it just definitely doesn't feel like uh, you haven't been, you know, part of the broadcast, part of the show, uh, obviously, because we always talk. But uh, it's really great to have you on the actual, uh, in an actual episode. So thank you. Well, thank you for having us, and uh, we're certainly looking forward to it, and it is a fantastic topic. Uh, Brad, I know uh, when we uh, suggested this topic, you were pretty um, uh, pretty excited, uh, as you usually are the last couple of times. You've been really excited, and uh, I am uh, glad that uh, we are entertaining you, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> every, every time you know i just watch gladiator and every time you say that all i can do are you not entertained there you go uh, so for sure yeah, i made the uh the mistake or whatever of uh calling uh saw guerrera the uh, osama bin laden of the rebel alliance and then we just kind of uh rolled with that idea so i'm i'm, I'm happy that we're going to be talking about saw guerrera his background and you know what he means the rebellion and uh you know, how his story arc went from start to finish. And especially with these guys that we have on tonight, I think it's going to be a fun episode. Yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, Sagrera is one of those characters that uh, he's a fascinating guy. Um, very extreme when it comes to his beliefs. And uh, obviously we got uh, a little taste uh, of him during the Clone Wars and uh, Rebels and uh, some other, you know, some other parts of the Star Wars mythos. Uh, he's in books. He's in games. Uh, a really fantastic character, played uh, by none other than uh, you know award-winning um, actor um, Forrest Whitaker. And uh, you know Forrest Whitaker is a force to be reckoned with uh, when it comes to you know characterizations that he plays uh, in in film and in television. And uh, when it was announced that he was going to be in this, I, I thought was really great. Um, but uh, let's let's back up just a little bit, uh, guys, and and talk a little bit about uh, his origins, his first appearance, um, and uh, Pat or Charles, if you guys want to pick that up. Charles is pointing to Pat, so I guess we'll go to Pat. But uh, <laughs> um, what uh, what do you guys know about about Saw Gerrera and uh, his origins? Well, we do the pointing so that we don't have to explain how lame we are. But um, uh, basically, when George Lucas was toying with the idea of doing a live-action TV show, um, he wanted a freedom fighter as part of the uh, blossoming Rebel, Rebel Alliance, and he had... Saw Guerrera in mind for that type of character. And then, of course, no live action show materialized, but they ended up using him in the Clone Wars. And that was circa what? In the early 90s, if I'm not mistaken, was it? Yeah. It was. Uh, yeah. It was even it was even earlier than the uh, the start of uh, then the, prequels the Clone Wars the prequels talk yeah so uh, yeah this was like way back there um, I know George Lucas was toying with the idea of trying to make uh, Star Wars level television and 
Um, they kind of did a practice run with the young Indiana Jones uh, television series uh, that uh, they were able to kind of play around with the special effects and try to create, you know, movie-like special effects and, and production on a television budget. So that's where uh, George was kind of, you know, kind of flexing his his creative his creative muscle as far as the the team behind the scenes to try to get that into play. That never happened, obviously. Um, and I'm, I'm kind of glad it didn't because now we have, you know, great stuff like the Mandalorian and things that they're doing there. Uh, who knows what that show with the technology back then would have uh, looked like. But um, first appearance um, as a character would have been what? You guys know? It was in the uh, Onderon arc in uh, Clone Wars. General Skywalker, at your service. This is General Kenobi, Commander Tano, and Captain Rex. We're looking forward to taking a fight to those scrapping droids. Yes, all in good time. Saw, so, Saw so Guerrera. He fashions himself as our leader, though no one elected him. Well, for now, we're in charge, and there is much to learn. You know, we we see him, and for the when we see him for the first time, he's already a freedom fighter. Um, Onderon is one of those neutral countries that are neutral uh, planets that got caught in the middle of the Clone Wars with both the, uh, the Republic and the Confederacy wanting, wanting dibs on the planet. And so you had the, the king that was there and he got ousted and, you know, the Confederacy wanted to come in. And Saul was part of a, uh, a, a small group of freedom fighters. And uh, it was actually led by his sister, Stila, and I know we're going to talk about Stila some more, uh, but it was actually led by uh, his sister, Stila, and they were there to restore uh, the previous king to power and uh, boot the Confederacy out there. Uh, unfortunately, uh, and this will have uh, later repercussions, they weren't able to get much help from the uh, Republic in this whole ordeal, and I think that was part of, the th of what uh, led him to have doubts about the Republic and then later on the Empire. Yeah, that was called A War on Two Fronts, uh, episode of uh, Clone Wars. And mm -hmm. uh, if I'm not mistaken, Brad, it was kind of a civil war that was happening. And that's one of the reasons that the Jedi really could not get involved. Um, but uh, hey, surprise, surprise, they kind of did get involved, didn't they? Well, they, well, they did. And, it, and it's one of those jokes, you know, we, we criticize the Jedi all the time. They called it, uh, Obi-Wan called it an internal affair. And so therefore the Republic couldn't get involved. But the Republic got involved in plenty of internal affairs when it suited them. Uh, but they didn't think that uh, this one suited them too much. So they chose not to, but they went through uh, other avenues, i.e. the piracy avenue and uh, using Hondo. Uh, and you kind of got to, if you guys are familiar with Charlie Wilson's war and, you know, uh, you know, you have these, uh, you know, they basically Hondo drops off some uh, rocket launchers for them. Uh, and then they were able to, you know, fight back the Confederates with that. But yeah, they, they wouldn't officially get involved, which was highly annoying. <laughs> the Separatists have strength in numbers. We're going to show you how to target and destroy them. Now, to be clear, we are not here to fight your war. Rather, to show you how to conduct it in the most efficient and successful way possible. So, so what you're saying is, because of Hondo Onaka, that 
saw Guerrero and lived to fight another day. <laughs> <laughs> yup. Of course. <laughs> I love Hondo. You have them sort of being hands off. And like Brad was saying, you know, it's an internal affair, but they looked at the, uh, the situation on Onderon as a potential new uh, avenue uh, for infiltration or at least monitoring a conflict and sort of standing by as, you know, quote unquote observers and not being part of the aggressive or the aggression of the, um, of the conflict, but maybe defending, you know, providing support or credits in this case. So like Brad was saying, it's a very sort of very fine line that they walked um, from uh, their first involvement and especially when Ahsoka was left uh, on the planet to continue monitoring and to see just how Saw and Stila, um, you know, progress through, you know, their uprising really and sort of seeing if, if they're going to be able to find or if the Jedi would be able to find this as a new way of uh, fighting on, on multiple fronts uh, in the war without having to uh, be present. Yeah, so Brad, you mentioned uh, Saw Guerrero's sister, Stila, who was um, already an operative in, in this conflict. Um, we, we meet her and we meet him and, and, and the rest of the team. Uh, you guys want to get into, uh, you know, the situation towards the end of that episode, the, the end of that uh, story arc, really kind of uh, flipped on its side and really went haywire real fast, which... Uh, caused uh, uh you know a major event that happened in saw guerrera's life that i think kind of um set the mold for his personality his feelings his motivations for the rest of his life even up until we see him and his end in rogue one brad you want to talk a little bit about uh what what happened what did he see yeah so what you know and they did such a good job naming that episode. The the last one in that arc was called Tipping Point. And it was a tipping point in, in many ways, obviously a tipping point in the uh, Onderon conflict, but it was also a tipping point for him uh, mentally and uh, psychologically, emotionally, everything else. But in this, and I, and I went back and I watched the arc because I wanted to see what kind of hints that we had at Saul's personality. Does it track with what we see later on? And it definitely does because in that arc, we see that Saul wants to be a little bit more aggressive, you know, with taking it to the enemy. But here you have his sister, Stila, who's obviously, uh, you know, she's the more, uh, you know, mature um, one of them. And she uh, tempers him and she says, look, there's going to be, uh, there's a higher risk of civilian casualties. Um, we don't want to do it right there in the city. You know, some some innocent people might get hurt. And she's able to get him to you know, back down because he looks up to her as a, a, a leader, a military leader. Uh, and uh, so she, you know, she acts sort of as, as a governor for him to, to bring him back. But at the end of the episode, you know, uh, they get these rocket launchers from Hondo that we talked about. And he takes down one of the uh, droid gunships, but that ends up crashing right by where uh, Steela's location is. She's with the king that they had just saved. Um, but uh, she ends up falling off the cliff. Steela! I'll handle this. 
Ahsoka is nearly able to save her using the Force, uh, where she gets an errant shot from uh, near where that gunship was, and uh, you know breaks her concentration just for a second. And he's only you know feet away uh, at the bottom uh, of that cliff, and he sees her fall, and he sees you know what he thinks is Ahsoka letting her fall. He sees Steela fall to her death, you know, and uh, you know that's obviously hugely traumatic for him. And he sees her as the better person of the two of them. You know, he recognizes that. Um, you know, he's he's a he's a grunt basically. He's willing to go in there and take action, but she was the leader of the group. So you know, take a look at this from his perspective. This Jedi, as he saw it, uh, let her uh, let his sister die. And at the same time, he also saw the Republic not getting involved in this conflict uh, because, as we said earlier, it was an internal affair, so they didn't want any part of it. Even though they did smuggle some uh, resources their way, they wouldn't officially get involved. So that really did put a distaste in his mouth for the Republic and uh, soon the Empire. But, yeah, seeing his sister die, you know, we see that later in the books. Uh, and you can see he carries that with him in, in Rogue One. That that messed him up for life. Yeah, those are very powerful motivating factors. And again, you know, I, I say that on the uh, I say this on the podcast all the time when we talk about Rogue One and when we talk about these characters, especially the characters in Clone Wars and Rebels. Uh, the work that uh, Dave Filoni has done uh, as far as writing and creating these characters uh, in the cartoons, even it's just. Um, it's it's an amazing thing to be able to follow these characters from you know from the beginning. Um, I know Brad, you and I uh, just recently talked about uh, Ahsoka Tano and and her I guess her progression, but uh, we're, I, I think we'll we'll talk in more detail uh, about her in the future. But just the fact that these characters are so alive and so rich with their history, I think it's one of the things that makes them so interesting. Your losses today stemmed from your leader's cowardice and their unwillingness to take decisive action against the Empire. All across the galaxy, your people suffer while the leaders of this <laughs> rebellion refuse to act. Again, talking about Saw Guerrera and his extremisms, you know, with, with the rebellion, I know he's got uh, some conflicts with Mon Mothma, we'll, which we'll uh, talk about in a bit, which are really, really great to see, the interaction between them and Rebels. Um, he's had conflicts with Bail Organa. Uh, I mean, all that stuff runs very independently from, from the Rebels um, when it comes to their missions and things like that. But, you know, Rogue One kind of showed us a little different side of the rebellion. And uh, there's a point uh, from my perspective that they almost let him do some of the things that he um, that he does. And I don't know if if that's my interpretation or if that is something that that is done uh, by design. Charles, what do you think about Saw Gerrera's extremism? Uh, do you think it's uh, justified in how he fights his battles? Um, or do you think there's a better way? Um, <clears throat> I think he tries to work within the confines of what uh, partnerships he's working at the time. So what I mean by that is he'll take a situation that he's uh, he's found himself in, make the best of it, do what's asked of him, but also keep his eye on the goal that He's been obsessed with since 
the the moment his brother uh, his sister died and what is that long-term play of the empire what is what is uh what is it they're trying to build and you see that uh from the uh from the separatist uh war with them on Onderon, then through rebels uh, you know and, and the rebel alliance sent him to geonosis to try and uncover why there was that genocide on the planet and he did that and that was his mission, but his mission was also to his personal uh, mission was to find out this this mystery. This was this larger play that the empire is going through, of course, which like Brad was saying before, where he blames the empire. Uh, well, not the empire at the time, but I mean, the, the longer play that his sister is dead because of these people. And so I think he mixes that uh, sense of duty, as like you said too, Ro, the grunt side of him has the job to do, but he also has that personal vendetta or that personal um uh need to discover that long that long play and that is always driving him so if he needs to take the situation to an extreme to find that out he does that and we see that in rebels and he even explained it that clearly to uh Ezra and Sabine he you know he literally said that to them that he's willing to do that extreme point to get to the answer that he needs to get and he'll turn on them saw you don't want to do this. I know you believe you're doing the right thing, but... Our enemy shows no mercy. Neither can we. If you harm that egg, you're helping the Empire wipe out the last of his kind. The last of his family. I don't care. Yes, you do. I know you care because you know what it's like to lose family. Yeah, I know what it's like. I lost my sister to the Separatists and my planet to the Empire. I'm fighting for you and everyone else not to lose what they've got. And I won't apologize for how I do it. So from his perspective, I don't see it as extreme. I think it's his, it's uh, the, uh, for him to allow him to get to his goal. You know, the means, you know, the means to the goal uh, are determined by what he needs to do. And that's what he does. You know, this is not a single faceted thing. That's why it makes him so, so interesting. So, you know, you have methods and you have tactics. You know, we sort of talked about this on our propaganda episode, but, you know, they're they're trying to win hearts and minds. And, uh, you know, his his tactics are not the way to do that. However, at the same time, they are they, they can be effective. There's an episode of Rebels uh, where he gets basically on his loudspeaker and, you know, via astromech and completely louds out Mon Mothma. And it's it's amazing, you know. He, he he calls her out and says, you know, hey, your losses. This is because you're following their rules of engagement. Should I shut it down? No, I want to speak to him. Madam Senator, I'm honored. What is your business here? You ignored my warning about the Delindi relay and paid the price. Now you have confirmation. Yet still, you refuse to destroy it. So long as our allies in the Senate have hope of a peaceful resolution to this conflict, I will not risk- If you continue to allow this war to be fought on the Empire's terms, not yours, you are going to lose. I will not be lectured on military strategy by a man who has proven himself a criminal. The Empire considers both of us criminals. <laughs> At least I act like one. And he's not wrong. In this one, you know, so he's an extremist, yes, but in this case, he's not wrong. If you look at the size of the military, 
apparatus that the empire has in place and what they, you know, intelligence means they have and everything else. You can't use their rules of engagement to win a military fight. And at this point, there was really no other option except for the military option, I believe. And you're not going to win using their rules of engagement. However, at the same time, let's talk about that branding. And if you guys read uh, Rebel Rising uh, by Beth Revis, uh, there's a, a scene in there which is highly disturbing. They go into, uh, they're, they're on this planet, uh, and the, the name always escapes me. He's got a funny name. It's not mentioned anywhere else except for in this book. Um, but uh, this was a, a planet that just came under imperial rule. Most of the people didn't like the empire there. But nonetheless, um, you know, Saul was going to make a, an example out of these folks. And they went into this ballroom and Jen Urso was right outside and she actually came in to see it. They snuck in these uh, flechettes, uh, the, these weapons that were just filled with basically blades, you know, the, the sharp shrapnel. And they just destroyed. They they killed everybody in the ballroom. To Whether, get to what to to get to one uh, imperial general. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was just the uh, the governor that had taken yeah. over. Uh, there. So, yeah, they, they killed the governor and uh, they killed the um, uh, the chiefess, I think it was, uh, forget the title, um, you know, the, the head of, of that planet. Uh, and there were stormtroopers there that got killed, but there was also a ballroom full of civilians and they killed every, you know, man and woman uh, in that ballroom, just a bloody mess, you know, uh, looked like a slaughterhouse by the time they got done with it. You know, it was explained in pretty good detail or shown in pretty good detail in the book. And of course, uh, Jen Urso was already sliding towards this, this uh, extremist view that Saul had. And then she saw this and that that, that corrupted Jen some too. Um, of course, you see, that's why she has issues with Saul later on. Um, so you're not going to win like we, we talked about, again, in the propaganda episode, you have this one side, this guy slaughters a whole ballroom, or you have the Empire, you know, you have Palpatine, the Palpatine that promised uh, safety and security for the Empire, so you have, and they provided that, so you have safety and security on the one hand, or you have these these terrorists, uh, as, they, as they brand them, which this was a terrorist act, uh, which one are you going to choose? Are you going to choose the safety and security of the empire, or are you going to choose these guys that would slaughter innocent civilians? So while his tactics, and he's correct, and you can't follow the same rules of engagement, his uh, willingness, staunch willingness to kill civilians in the process would have been a, a losing method in the long run. You target civilians. Kill those who surrender. Break every rule of engagement. If we degrade ourselves to the Empire's level, what will we become? There she is! That's the leader the Rebellion needs! Where is that fire, that passion, when your people need it most? I hope, Citadel, after you've lost, and the Empire reigns over the galaxy, unopposed, you will find some comfort in the knowledge that you've fought according to the rules. That's enough. What are you afraid of, Senator? The truth. Great, uh, great comparison there uh, with uh, with that book. I remember reading that book uh, last year and getting to that point and and remembering how brutal that scene was. Because you're right, they they describe it uh, in in great detail, and um, obviously, um, I ne never realized how that would affect um, Jin Erso as well. 
this is one of the great things about uh you know you guys talked about it on your recent episode uh guys uh, regarding all the ancillary material in star wars um this is one of those perfect examples of how that extra stuff kind of enhances the 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 main story and and when i watch rogue one you know you get all this stuff you know that comes flooding into your brain and and you realize uh that it's it really is like watching the films again um all over again brand new so it's uh fantastic brad i'm gonna ask you this other question but first i'm gonna ask pat um you know we know the death of saw's sister affected him a great deal throughout his life uh his hatred of the empire consumed him and literally and figuratively uh george lucas and dave filoni co-created him but what does that tell you about lucas's message of of hate uh versus the message that we all know of hope and what Star Wars is is really filled with, Pat. What uh, what do you say to that? Yeah, while Brad was talking, I was just thinking of um, actually this. It's it's almost like you read my mind here. Did you do a uh, you know, force power on me? I guess I um, sure did. Okay, great. So um, it it kind of um, makes the loss of Stila so much worse for. The rebels with saw being the ying to steal his yang and him you know getting stuff done they're both trying to achieve the same objective but she's going about it a little more diplomatically a little more smartly and he's just like here's the quickest way from a to b let's do it um whatever collateral damage there may be so be it and i think with her ability to kind of reel him in and convince him that maybe a hammer is not always the best tool to use it kind of leveled him a little bit and evened him out um it's maybe necessarily not something he would agree with but something that he's willing to do and now with her being gone it's just him and it's his way without someone to keep him in check and there is a lot of hatred there there's a lot of disdain for the republic for the empire for the geonosians for pretty much everyone um and he is dangerous but not in that sort of good way maybe we can you know use this as a model for our rebellion um he was certainly used as a tool to further the rebellion's agenda but he wasn't the mainstream rebellion because of that and i think because of his extremism and I think that it's very interesting in both the Clone Wars and Rebels how when you see the main characters interact with him, the good guys, they're kind of like, whoa, you, you're a little bit crazy and maybe you need to take a step back, Saul, because this, like, you need to chill out, bro. So um, 
with that being said, I think it's it's deliberate in both of these shows and in, in Rogue One that he fights for good, but he's really walking that fine line with how he does it. You target civilians, kill those who surrender, break every rule of engagement. If we degrade ourselves to the Empire's level, what will we become? There she is! That's the leader the Rebellion needs! Where is that fire, that passion, when your people need it most? I hope, Senator, after you've lost, and the Empire reigns over the galaxy, unopposed, you will find some comfort in the knowledge that you've fought according to the rules. That's enough. What are you afraid of, Senator? The truth. Return to your duties. And in terms of like the 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 hate versus hope um, dichotomy, there, it's um, it's really shown in all of the saw-related media as maybe not the best way to go about. This. Sure. Yeah. And we talk about extremism and in, 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 uh, politics and how effective it may or may not be in, in Star Wars. Uh, so how does how do these actions of, of Saw Gerrera's his his uh, his way of doing things? Do you think that that overall strategy helps the rebellion or do you think it hinders their efforts to bring order to the galaxy fighting against the Empire? <clears throat> I think that the. I think that Saw was the uh, type of rebel that they did need and to have to get to their ultimate goal, uh, uh, albeit as like Pat was saying that, you know, perhaps, you know, maybe not as hard with the hammer, but he that type of military uh, actions and, and strategy and, and guerrilla warfare almost uh, would have brought to light probably quicker what was going on because he was, he was on that path of discovering what they were doing and he was charging full speed ahead, but he just didn't have the support of the larger rebellion uh, or, or the Alliance for that matter. And if they had been able to uh, rein in that, that charging, uh, you know, that, that charge that he was on, that could have led to much more different outcomes. And when you look back at, at uh, the Clone Wars, where, like Pat was saying before, where the yin and the yang of, uh, of him and his sister, he had the uh, extreme, the sort of the quick to jump, and she had the, the same sort of fire and the same tactics, but with a lot more uh, refinement to them. If you look at the grander scale, raw, Saw being that raw um, tool that they could use, and if only the Rebellion or the Alliance could have taken that stance of understanding the ultimate goal for the uh, rebels to defeat the Empire, they could have had that yang to his uh, yin. You know what I mean? They, they could have had that because that sort of political approach to doing it, but also doing it smartly while not alienating plants at this point versus citizens, they could have worked together. But I don't think, I, I see, I think it's more of a fault of the rebellion not knowing how to work with Saw than it is the other way. So, from my perspective, Saw was on his mission, had his tactics and the way he was doing it, which obviously alienated a lot more people and put him on the fringe. But he could have been a much more uh, important asset 
to the Rebel Alliance had they known how to work with him. And that's a very interesting observation, which leads me to my next question. And this one's going to be for Brad. Hey, can, uh, I, can I jump yeah, in on yeah, this one? Yeah, go for it. Uh, I, I think these guys are, are dead on. And, you know, Saul's a living dichotomy. You know, Pat used that word. And, you know, and, and Charles alluded to this, too. He's got a number of faults. But let's face it, he was ahead of the curve the entire time. He was ahead of the curve in this uh this, this relay network uh, that the Empire was setting up. He was ahead of the curve on the Death Star, putting that together uh, in, in, in Jedi Fallen Order, because he was in that too. Uh, he was ahead of the curve on trying to free Kashyyyk. And uh, they didn't get back to freeing Kashyyyk until after you know New Republic time in the, uh, uh, the Chuck Wendig uh, trilogies when they finally got back to Kashyyyk. But he was there already. Uh, trying to help out the Wookiee population. So he was ahead of the curve on, on many uh, occasions. But one thing, you know, we talk about his extremism and uh, his willingness uh, to allow for civilian casualties. But another thing, as far as where does he fit in with the rebellion, is his uh, the expendability of the people that work for him. We saw this, uh, you know, uh, on Geonosis, we saw this on Kashyyyk. If you if you've played Jedi Fallen Order, uh, he's you know he sees all of his people on Kashyyyk as expendable. And then of course Jen Urso, uh, when she said you left me with a with a loaded blaster, uh, you know he, she was 16 years old, and he left her on her own. You know, I I think he meant the best. Of course he's delusional already at this point, uh, but at the same time he saw her as expendable as well. And then, so how does that fit into the rebellion? If you're trying to make this endeavor work long-term and take root, you can't have that kind of leader who lets their people be expendable. That's why you need the Mon Mothmas and you need the Leia's uh, leaders that their people can buy into because they know that they have, you know, everybody's best interests. You know, whether he's doing the right thing, we have, there's all kinds of Machiavellian conversations we can have about this as to whether the ends justify the means. Um, but if the if the troops on the ground don't think the leader is going to look out for them, they are not going to be bought in uh, to your endeavor, uh, maybe short term, certainly not long term, though. That is a great point, uh, Brad, and uh, definitely you know, leads me to the question that I had for you, you know, fitting in with the rebellion. I intimated earlier, uh, earlier in the show here that, uh, was it really the rebellion's place to, uh, admonish him even privately? Or do you guys think that, uh, they were kind of in cahoots and I'll give you, um, I'll give you a scenario that you guys can base off on. And Brad, I know you're going to really love this, you know, the whole JFK mob government industrial military <laughs> complex, Yes. Um, did the rebels really want Saw uh, Guerrero doing its thing, or were they? Do you think that really it it was a question of uh, yeah, he's doing it wrong, or do you you know do you think that they were in cahoots and this was a way of of really making a difference in the galaxy? I threw the grenade, Brad. Go for it. Hypocrites. They're all hypocrites. And uh, so like, like, like the Jedi before them, they were hypocrites. Um, because it, it, 
so we can't see this as a collective thing. We can't just say the rebellion, right? There is individuals, just like with the founding fathers, there was all kinds of different views of how this new nation should look. It was the same thing with the rebellion. So do I think Mon Mothma completely believed what she was saying when she discussed, uh, or when she talked to Saul, when she talked about Saul? Yeah, yeah, I think Mon Mothma did believe what she was saying because that's the kind of person she was. But at the same time, look in Rogue One. You have General Draven working on the sidelines with Cassie. You know, we have Mon Mothma saying, hey, hey, Jen, uh, we need you. We're going to find your father and we're going to bring him back and we're going to have him testify before the Senate on, uh, you know, building the super weapon uh, or whatever it is that, that they're doing. And she gets on board. And then you have General Draven on the sidelines telling Cassian, hey, uh, we're not going to extract this guy. You, you, you blow his head off as, as soon as you see him. But they're going to admonish Saw at the same time for those same sort of tactics. You know, I, I can I can see how they would need to do that for the public image. But yeah, it's it's completely hypocritical on their part. That's one of the reasons I love Rogue One because you know we grew up with the original trilogy. You know that the bad guys were bad, the good guys were good, and that was it. That's that's what we that's what we grew up with. And as you get older, you start to see, you know, there's a little in between that happens behind the scenes, behind the curtain, you know, through the doors, whatever, etc. And uh, the fact that Rogue One introduced that aspect to the rebellion uh, to me was fascinating. Um, I can't wait to see, hopefully, to see more of that sort of thing in the Cassian Andor series. And uh, hopefully, maybe, who knows, maybe see um, Saw Guerrero once again, because that, that, you know, that would be phenomenal. Again, you know, getting back to, to that aspect of, of the, of, of the um, I guess, the, the narrative that we're talking about here with Saw Guerrero, you know, obviously there's uh, Saw Guerrero connections in, in Solo, a Star Wars story. Um, which was released on Disney Plus today, by the way. If you haven't uh, checked out that film, please check it out. Thank you for that check, Disney. But uh, it's, yeah, it's 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 really cool to kind of see the, I guess, the mythos of the rebellion kind of start to change, or not really change, but kind of, you know, we're we're kind of discovering it uh, for the first time. Maybe it's always been there. Maybe you know. Like you said, Brad, you know, certain aspects of the rebellion are, uh, you know, are white hat wearing, you know, people. And there's people underneath that that, uh, you know, very not unlike, uh, you know, the real world politics of today. Obviously, you know, there's there's not a clear cut, you know, dis uh, decisive voice of how our governments and our uh, elected officials should or or you know should do or should say and uh it's it's just really cool to see that in rogue one and start to kind of change that uh that perspective that perception of who these rebels are what is this it's a chance for you to make a fresh start we think you might be able to help us this is captain cassian andor rebel intelligence when was the last time you were in contact with your father Fifteen years ago. Any idea where he's been all that time? I like to think he's dead. Makes things easier. Easier than what? That he's been a tool of the Imperial war machine? You've never had the luxury of political opinions. Really? 
Well, it brings a sense of realism to it, right? Because otherwise it doesn't, it just doesn't make sense. You have a, a force that's what, maybe one one hundredth the size of, of the empire and they're able to topple it with the help of some murder bears. Um, you know, <laughs> it, it brings a sense of realism to it because you're not, as, as he said, you're not going to win, you know, with the same rules of engagement. You're not going to win uh, going head on with them. So seeing these different uh, aspects of it, yeah, it definitely brings a sense of realism to it. I, just, I, I don't know. There's debate about what genre Star Wars is. I guess we're not allowed to call it sci-fi anymore. I don't know. But, you know, I think there there's room for this in whatever genre it's in to bring some sense of realism to it. So, you know, the, the viewer can buy off on it a little bit more. You know, it's funny, you guys are talking about how Saw Gerrera, one of his uh, missions was to really find out what happened on Geonosis and things like that. And we see him in a Rebels episode called The Honorable Ones. I mean, he was this close to finding out what the Empire was up to. I mean, you know, I, I don't know if... if uh, and the, uh, I, the irony is that he was this close. What ultimately finished him? It was the thing that he was trying to find out what they were doing. It was the Death Star. I mean, he uh, didn't survive that uh, that blast on on Jeddah City, and mm -hmm. uh, that's what did him in. But um, I think uh, obviously one of his biggest regrets was not uh, not being able to uncover the truth for the uh, the rest of the galaxy. Tell me what I want to know, Buck. What Imperial secret? was worth the lives of my team, my friends. Easy, Saw. We've all got questions for him. Saw, he's unarmed. You know better than anyone, we can't underestimate these things. I think he's afraid. Well, how can you tell? Let Ezra talk to him. It's okay. We won't hurt you. That was his whole mission, was to just uncover what they were doing to expose them as the evil that they were and when he was when he was on geonosis and he's, he's seeing that even even when you know the geonosian was drawing the circle with the little circle in it and um and then the rebels uh, don't, like, don't give me don't give me start on that pat that, that stuff pisses me off when they give away the answer and nobody can freaking see it i mean <laughs> It's it's right there, people. Oh, <laughs> click clack. Okay, go ahead, Pat. Sorry. The circle with the thing in the middle. It's the the circle it's within the, the circle. Damn Death Star, people! Yeah. Stop being so stupid. <laughs> click clack. Can you tell us what the Empire was doing here on Geonosis? <laughs> Circle inside of a circle. Well, it could be the rings around Geonosis. I need more than some scratches in the dirt. He, as a character, is at times very easy to empathize with. And then to see him trying so hard to, you know, expose the Empire and all to to you know prove to the galaxy that they are evil um 
and get so close. Um, it's it's tough to watch, and and I'm sure that's what Brad was alluding to, uh, because you as the viewer see this and you're like, oh, this is you know, this is what he's heading toward. He's almost it's there. Right it's right there. It's, it's right yeah, there. Yeah, it's just like with the Clone Wars when they're about to find out about the inhibitor chips and Order right. 66, and then they don't. And then you're like, no, but they were this close. <laughs> and, you know, obviously they can't because then all the events that take place after that um, – wouldn't have happened and then you're back to the futuring the whole thing and things are a mess and um and nothing fits right so you have to you have to fit into that and you know going into rogue one in terms of that mindset when they were writing it and they're like these characters have so much potential and could be such a benefit to the alliance and all but they're not in the original movies so they have to die. And it's just that kind of um, uh, in-canon thinking that it's like, well, you know, of course these people would be close to uncovering this information and these plots for murder and destruction, but they can't because if they discover it now, then the story's over. And then you don't get those stories that you get in A New Hope. Where, you know, the Death Star's here and surprise, blow up Alderaan, boom. Um, because they would have known about it ahead of time and, and, and figured out a way to, to thwart the Empire's plans. So you, you know, the filmmakers are limited in their ability to know these things, which as a viewer is very frustrating because you know what they can't know and it drives you a little bit crazy. <laughs> But, you know, the, the, in that instance, uh, I, I think it, it was a great job. They did a great job to introduce these new characters and, and you know, be gutsy about the fact that, yeah, it, it's going to end on a down note. You know, it's going to be a downer for sure because uh, they all have to die. And even if, you know, it's not as easy as, all right, they'll live. All we have to do is wipe their memory and then that'll explain everything else as far as not knowing this or not knowing that. But, you know, they're not droids. They're, they're human characters. And uh, I, 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 thought, uh, I thought it was handled very well. So uh, go ahead, Charles. Go ahead, Charles. I was going to say, the, the, you know, that last episode of, of Rebels where we last see, um, saw uh, in the name of the Rebellion Part 2 and they uh, find that giant kyber crystal. And which is ultimately, you know, what Saul was looking for. You know, they end up finding some uh, power uh, and energy transfer technicians as human cargo. And Ezra and Sabine say, hey, we found it great. We found that we got to, you know, we've, yay, we've we solved the mission. And Saul's like, well, there's got to be more. Like, he knows he has that in the back of his mind. There's something always else there. And he needed them, obviously, to get on that uh, that cargo ship. And when they find that kyber crystal, he sees, you know, very front and center that this is part of this mystery that they're seeing it's like he can't even comprehend the size of this thing and sabine and ezra being you know a jedi understanding the the power that's in them in that minute piece of kyber in his uh lightsaber and th this massive whale-sized one what does this mean and of course that's where saw turns and you know puts on the handcuffs and ultimately turns back into his 
uh, extremist part where now, well, now the uh, ends justify the means. Um, we got to get rid of this thing. We got to destroy it. We're going to blow it up. And they're like, they're blindsided, of course. Like, wait a second. You just spent, you know, past uh, however many hours um, being an ally. And now when the uh, ultimate uh, time comes, he's got to do what he's got to do. And ultimately, he they get away and they're all saved. But And he... He sort of leaves. He he leaves them in a sort of a jolly way. He's like, well, to the next time. Hope to see you guys again soon. As if nothing's, you know, <laughs> you know, very Hondo-ish in one sense. And, um, but it's extremely poignant the way that episode ended, where Ezra says right at the end, he says, uh, you know, what if Saw is right, and the Empire is on the verge of winning a war that most of the Rebel Alliance doesn't even uh, realize has ever even begun, and mm. he again is ahead of that curve. And that's where Saw fits into the larger story, that he's on this one track of really being three or four steps ahead of the, uh, the Rebel Alliance uh, and probably two steps behind the Empire. Uh, even when we see him in uh, Catalyst, he's, uh, part of that story is uh, he's helping uh, sh- cargo shipments, again, of Kyber Crystal. And you, you get the sense that he's there for a job, but he's, again, just amassing information, learning making the connections and he's there for his ultimate goal of finding out that uh that secret which like you said Roe was was the thing that eventually killed him was the death star and that path ultimately led to his death but uh had the you know the rebellion hitched uh hitched onto him and his uh his ways earlier they could have had a very different outcome yeah that's what uh, that's what makes this character so interesting uh brad you mentioned how complex he is and he's always you know you, you never know where you stand i mean i guess you do know where he stand where you stand with Sagarera, but uh it is uh truly a testament to the writing skills of of uh, the folks that uh kind of took the the reins of developing this character and gave us a treat to see the beginning and the end of of this character so in closing, I want to ask you guys one last question. Uh, do we want to see Saw Gerrera again to uh, possibly continue to fill his story? Obviously, we know the beginning. We know the end here. Um, but with uh, shows like the Cassian Andor series and folks wanting to have uh, a little more story with, uh, with Solo, um, we might see him there as far as the underground, you know, the, the underworld goes. Um, would you guys want to see Saw Gerrera again to kind of continue filling in his uh, backstory? Charles, what do you think? Absolutely. Fascinating character. And you get, a, uh, get these uh, road signs or these road, road posts, whatever you call them, <laughs> where you can see literally where he started or where we picked up his story first in The Clone Wars and right to the end in Rogue One. And I was even t- saying this to Pat uh, yesterday or was it today, where the visual look of, of Saw from the Clone Wars into um, Rebels, into Jedi Fallen Order, into Rogue One follows really, really well. And you get the sense of aging and you get the sense of his psychosis growing. And by the end of Rogue One, he's lost it. And as uh, Pat's wife would say, the CPAP guy uh, at the end of the movie is, is uh, you know on the verge of going crazy. And anywhere along that journey you get those tentpoles of seeing where he was at that point for me i would love to see it 
Absolutely. And, you know, talking about, uh, you know, there, I, I was reading the uh, Wikipedia, the Star Wars Wikipedia, and there is a uh, continuity error. Just a little side note uh, trivia here. His eye color in Rogue One is different than in Clone Wars. So they kind of, uh, during Clone Wars episodes, they mix the two colors to help explain the uh, color change as he aged. So uh, cool. nice little t- tidbit there of, of information. Um, yeah, fantastic. Brad, more Saw Gerrera or no more Saw Gerrera? What do you think? Oh, 100%. I mean, um, with the grit that we saw in The Mandalorian, if you allow that grit, which I think they already are planning, or you know, they've already started doing that, that if you have that grit in the Cast and Andor series, uh, this, the sky's the limit as to what you can do with this character. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's just going to add more intrigue and um, it, more more discussions. You know, the, the, there's so many dichotomies in this guy, not just one. Uh, he's just loaded. And, uh, like we said, so many Machiavellian conversations. Uh, do the ends ever justify the means in this case? We know what the end result is. We know that they topple the empire at the end. They restore you know, the, the Republic, but a lot of it had to do with Saul's methods. So, you know, these f- philosophical conversations, it, it's going to be loaded with those. And not to mention, it's going to be fun to see. Um, hopefully they don't get as graphic as what we saw in, uh, you know, Rebel Rising with, with the uh, the ballroom scene. I don't think we need to get see people get sliced up with uh, flechettes. Um, but uh, as far as visually and, and seeing what he's willing to do against the Empire, I think, you know, and then working alongside guys like Cassian and General Draven and that sort of character. Yeah, I think it makes for a lot of fun. Absolutely. Yeah. Pat, um, I want to hear you say flechettes because it's such a French word. <laughs> flechettes. Say it. Say it. Flechettes. Oui, oui. There you go. There you go. Flechettes. Um, I, you know what those guys said um <laughs> brad uh brad put it uh very well with the um with the way that he mentioned um all of the stories or or the 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 great amount of story that is left to be told on Saul's behalf and i think that um if tastefully done if um True to the character, I would love to see more Saw. Um, I think that he's just very intriguing. And as this episode will will tell, um, it's because he's not perfect. And it's real. It's not, you know, the, like you were saying, Ro, with the, you know, the good guys have their white hats and... Um, and they're easily identifiable, and every move they make is good and trustworthy and just. Um, you know, that's not the world. And when you're talking about overthrowing an empire, as they were trying to do, somebody's hands are going to get dirty. And it's very interesting to see this character kind of rise up through that scenario and to to kind of do what has to be done. I think you, you know, you, you made a great point with getting your hands dirty. You know, we, as the general public, we get told of the end result of an operation 
you know, you know, Bin Laden being uh, tracked down and and killed after so many years. We, you know, we got told, you know, I, I, they can't give away that sort of thing ahead of time. Otherwise, they they you know give away that we we know where he is or where we think he is. Um, but you don't know all the things that they had to do in order to get that information and to be able to put themselves in that position to to finally get them. And so seeing Saul's story it almost gives you some insight into that sort of thing. You know, how, you know, when you, when you make an omelet, you know, you got to crack a few eggs, so to speak. Uh, so, you know, but you got to get your hands dirty at the same time. So, you know, seeing him on that Cassian series will be a great insight on into how that's done. And uh, just remember, one man's freedom fighter is another man's terrorist. Very true. Very true. Thank you for that, Brad. <laughs> and thus ends the Osama Guerrero episode. <laughs> <laughs> please don't put that on Twitter, Ro. Please don't call this. <laughs> oh my God, I'm already flagged enough. I don't need that one on there too. Okay. I'm already flagged enough. <laughs>Yeah, this will get him back. Earlier this evening, I uh, screenshot a quote uh, from the Star Wars Wikipedia uh, between uh, two characters, General Tandon and Saw Gerrera. Uh, if you guys still do, you guys still have that. Um, I I want Charles and Pat to uh, to do the line. Um, Pat, you're going to be uh, Saw Gerrera, and Charles, you will be Tandon. Um, I'll put a little music in the background, some sound effects uh, to end this episode but uh why don't you guys go ahead and dramatize that uh little scene between the two military leaders and uh see what we got i'm gonna, I'm gonna send it to him right now <laughs> i just texted you the quote um yes um and so the saw part is the i'm not a terrorist i'm a patriot and yes is not no i can read i thought you were into cliff notes I okay. I learned to read during this episode. Okay, <laughs> yeah. that's why I listen to Audible. Okay, okay. <laughs> that's why I wasn't paying attention. Um, okay. All right. So I'll I'll just come up with a voice here. Okay. I am free, while you have chosen to become a terrorist. I'm not a terrorist. I'm a patriot. And resistance is not terrorism. Excellent. Wow, you, you, got, you got a chuckle at the end. You got to add a chuckle at the end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That was a great song. Don't tell me how to live my life. See a little, a little uh, COVID gurgle. <laughs> yes. Oh, I'm familiar with the COVID gurgle. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think I should. I, I think I'm making a brand new T-shirt. The COVID gurgle. The COVID gurgle. <laughs> oh, I know. It should be a dance move for, for ah. socially distant weddings. The COVID gurgle. <laughs> 
and we just end by vomiting. First is the Cupid Shuffle, then the Electric Slide, then the COVID Gurgle. Thank you guys, Charles and Pat from the Conversations Podcast, and Brad, and uh, yours truly, Roe. Um, where can folks find you guys? If it doesn't matter. We're over. never going to be invited back. <laughs> 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 Um, the website is conversations.com with a W. Uh, we're on Facebook at facebook.com slash conversations. On Twitter, we're at suations. We have an Instagram, and that's conversations. Uh, we're part of Rose Red 5 Podcast Network, and we also have a Spreadshirt store. Yeah. I thought you were going to say we also have a spreadsheet. Where we we put do in have four... a spreadsheet, and that's what I look at to remember <laughs> the sites for all this stuff. Oh, there you go. There you go. Uh, yep. Nice. Well, that's fantastic. Thank you guys for joining us. And then, Brad, where can people find us over at the Scarif Scuttlebutt Podcast? You want me to? You have it all right there, Ro. <laughs> you, 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 <laughs> I, I don't. I really <laughs> don't. I like this I guy. We'll, we'll, we'll edit it and throw it in there later. I don't know. I do it in Twitter. <laughs> we'll edit it in post, he says. <laughs> Put it in post. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Thank you guys very much. And that's the scuttlebutt. <laughs> Sweet. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Greetings, listener. Just a reminder that the podcast you just heard is a proud member of the Red 5 Network family. Red5Network.com offers you a great variety of shows you'll be sure to love. So the next time you're itching for quality content, make sure you head over to Red5Network.com. You'll find this podcast along with a whole lot more. All wings report in. It's the Red 5 Network. Red 5 Network.